I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. This week I'm joined by a very popular Australian businesswoman, and that's Emma Isaacs. Emma is the owner and global CEO and is Chief Executive of Business Chicks. Business Chicks is Australia's largest professional network specifically dedicated to women. She's got more than 40,000 members and runs events and programs around the country. They're fantastic. I've even been to a couple of them. Emma has recently been in the USA to try and launch Business Chicks there and has run into some very interesting challenges. They're things I want to talk to about. So let's get into it. Emma Isaacs, welcome to The Mentor. Great to be here. Thanks, Mark. And I have to say, I declare early, I have spoken at one of Emma's, or a number of Emma's events, or uh, Business Chicks events. In fact, I did a tour around Australia with Business Chicks, I'm not sure, maybe 10 years ago. Oh, gosh. I think you're ageing us both there. I think maybe, okay, I can tell you when it was, I would have just had my third baby and she's five now. So it would have been five years five, ago. Five years ago, okay. And uh, I, I spoke to like thousands of women. It yeah, you great. drew a crowd. <laughs> it's fantastic. I loved it. Um, and Perth was the most interesting. Um, and, and I've actually told stories about uh, Business Chicks and sometimes when I go on my own sort of road shows, um, and we were just talking earlier about the importance of networking and but also how you work a network that's incredibly important i want to talk about that in a minute but i'm really actually fascinated because i've been thinking about um this discussion and i business chicks seems to me great name i love it uh, business chicks seems to me though to be just a network, but in actual fact, it's a, not just a network, it's a business, it's your business. Mm, for sure. Um, and I'd like to explore how you got into this. Why did you start? Where did, where did it all come from? Where was the idea spawned? How did it happen? Yeah, sure. So a little bit of the backstory to my career is that I've actually never worked for anyone else before, so I've never taken a paycheck apart from a um, casual job while I was at school. Tell me what that casual job was. Oh, I was a waitress at the local yeah. restaurant. I, you know, The next-door neighbour owned this restaurant, and I used to beg her for a job, and she'd say to me, you can't work until it's legal. You know, you've got to be 14 or 9 months. And I'd say to her, no one's going to know. Just employ me. We don't have to tell anyone. We don't have to tell the ATO. And which part of Australia was this? Um, I'm from Sydney, Australia, uh, down south. My parents still live there in a little suburb called Lugano. Wow. Wow, cool. Yeah, so um, look, I, I went to school, had a very beautiful upbringing and childhood, went to university to study a business degree and quickly realised that it was just not for me. I um, just wasn't going fast enough. You know, I would go into that lecture theatre every single day and sit up the back and, and I think this is just not going to get me to where I need to be fast enough. And by that time, I'd probably read about 30 
autobiographies of people who are self-made and who had scaled businesses and not all of them had taken the conventional kind of linear path to education. So I dropped out, much to my parents' dismay and horror, and met a girl out socially and she had started a little recruitment company. So I joined her in that business and... um, Listen, within about six months or so, I found myself as a half shareholder, 50% shareholder of that business. And how old were you then? I was 18. 18 years so old. young. I was so young. I had no idea what I was doing. We, we, None of us did. You know, we were just completely winging it. But most importantly, you just did it. You we did just it. did it. We just got on. You know, I never sat there and questioned, am I going to be able to do this? How am I going to be able to do it? I just threw myself in, put my blinkers on and just got into action with it. And so we had that business for seven years or so. Um, I had the entrepreneurial itch at around that time and decided that I wanted to look for something else to do. And a friend introduced me to Business Chicks. She said, come along to this event. You're going to love it. And I said, there's no way I'm going to any event that calls themselves chicks. I mean, that's degrading to women. (laughs) That's insulting to women. I'm a professional entrepreneur. Uh, And she said, you need to get over yourself and you need to come and experience this event. Because it's just a name. I mean... With a brand, but it's just a name. Yeah. You shouldn't over-examine it. If yeah. it draws a crowd, that doesn't really matter. Exactly. I, I think brand and brand names are about being remembered and, you know, trying to stand out. Mm. And we've obviously taken a name and turned it into something else. Um, but, you know, f- we still get we still get a little bit of um, opposition to the name. You know, we do a lot of work in the corporate space as well in trying to talk about what women need. And, you know, the big sponsors will often, if they don't know us, they're, they're a little reticent to start with. But, yeah, so, gosh, that was going on 13 years ago now that I went to my first ever business. Business Chicks event, and I, I really kind of caught religion then and there. I just loved the whole vibe you've experienced. It's it's like it is um, religious. It's it is a religion. It's really people um, love this brand. They you know they I don't know if we have any people, people walking around with Business Chicks tattoos, but I think if I asked a few of our members, they'd be happy to tattoo their bodies. It's just um, you know people feel really as though it's theirs and they're part of it. So went along to my first event, uh, found the business was for sale. Um, I was twenty five at the time and I ran up to the lady at the end and I said, I want to buy this business. How can I help you? What can we do together? And I I ended up buying the business about six months later and it's been 13 years in the making. So in your mid-20s, you bought Business Chicks? Right. Yep. And because I'm just looking at you sitting here, um, you're perfectly um, groomed and... uh I don't know about perfectly groomed. I, I'm just, what I'm, Mark's I'm, not I'm, telling you is that I was half an hour <clears throat> late to this podcast. Yes, I'm very cranky about it. No, <laughs> you are. But, but, but you're looking perfectly groomed. And what I mean by that is on brand. Right. Right. So you've got your a dusty pink shirt on, uh-huh. which I notice is the same as colours, well, very close to the colour at least of your Instagram um, photos that you put up with it. We have your little uh, quotes for the day, quotes for the week. Um, is that process of building the business chicks branding around you and and you then backing back into business chicks has it what how does that work i mean how did you work that out was it already in existence or did you build that yourself it's a good question. Profile. Yeah, we, we, we've had a couple of iterations on brand. When I first bought the business, I mean, brand is so much more than the, the graphics and, and the dusty pink shirt. As, as you know, it's, it's you know, how, how you talk, it's how you hold yourself, it's how you conduct yourself, it's or how you show messaging. up. Or your messaging. It's how you show up in the world. Um, but when I first bought the business, it was leopard <laughs> print and red. It was, was atrocious. It? it was atrocious. And we've rebranded several times throughout the last 13 years. But what hasn't changed is the DNA of who we are 
as a brand. And that's really about us being kind and holding a space for women and, um, you know, showing up and trying to be a role model for them as well. And me as a leader of that company or that movement or or the brand needs to walk the walk and talk the talk. So if that means I have to occasionally wear pink or, um, you know, conduct myself in a certain way, I'm going to do that because I live and breathe my brand. I think the important thing is, though, that the founder's got to live and breathe the brand, but I can't, I can only do so much as one person. And I really look for people who can live and breathe our values and do the work that I can't do when I'm there. So when I'm not there. So I moved to America almost three years ago now and put a CEO into the um, seat here in the Australian business and she's you know people often mistake us as sisters because she is so similar to me in a lot of ways you know she's very ebullient she's charismatic she cares deeply about people she lives and breathes our company and and that's helped in terms of brand building as well. That's a hard thing to do though to uh, replicate yourself and to scale the messaging through everybody in the business Mm. because at the end of the day if you want a big brand which you have you have to scale the brand message through everybody, through individuals, and uh, not not just through the paraphernalia, as as you said earlier, the colours and all that sort of stuff. But that's about people have to sell that out. Mm. You know, they have to be prepared. They have to actually believe it mm. as much as you believe it. Yeah, I mean, you believe it because it's your business. They believe it. They've got to believe it because they've got to think like a proprietor. And I often talk about proprietorship. How important is it for your group leaders and for anyone else in the business to think like a proprietor of business chicks? It's my number one challenge as we've grown and scaled the business. We're still a small business. We only have about 35 people in in our um, Sydney headquarters. So we're still ostensibly a, a small business. But I see it as my role as a leader of the company to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive. And, you know, one of the things, and Olivia, my CEO, and I talk about this all the time and we speak publicly about it, is the challenges that we faced when I moved to America and she wanted to almost, she felt she needed to step in and corporatize the business and, you know, put in all these systems and procedures and processes, which are all really, really necessary if you want to scale a business and, and, and get to the next level. But we will always be entrepreneurial to the core and that is who part of who we are as a business. It's about taking risks, about being able to pivot. It's about being able to take opportunities when they come up. And so her and I have had a lot of, um, you know, to, to and fro on how we can still stay nimble and stay agile, but still be able to have a very, very professional business. But look, I think it starts with the, getting the right people on the bus. I think it's really important to get the people who um, have passion as as a value. You know, I look for people who walk into a room quickly, you know, if they're dragging their feet and not interested in being there, they're probably not the right fit for our business. Um, I look for people who you want to hang around. You know, they've got that magnetism where it's like, who who is that? You know, tell me more. And they kind of have that likability. And what we sell like an energy. And energy, right? It's it's a kind of it's 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 intangible, but you can you can sense it, you can feel it when you meet someone. And what we sell is community. We you know we we sell relationships. That's how we've been able to monetize and commercialize our business. So if you're not likable, and if we can't find a commonality, then you're probably not going to be the right fit for our company. So it, it sounds you know it's, it, there's much more science to building culture and and continuing the legacy of a founder than it may seem on the out, on the outside. But we, we spend a lot of time trying to work out how can this brand live on apart from us and when the founder's not there. And though that's what makes a sustainable business model. That means that something, you know, did I say you could sell or something that someone else might be interested in. The, the, the key, the test at the end of the day is, is there someone else who would be interested in investing in your business mm. and or owning it? Absolutely. Just like you were, you were when you bought Business Chicks originally. Mm. Is there something there that it can make this business sustainable if – Amorizax is not there, mm. and it's 
actually one of the hardest things to do. Mm. I mean, I found getting employees and or like-minded people in your business who think the way the proprietor of that business should think. Mm. There's no point. I actually don't think you can train them to think that way. They have to have that sort of, um, mm. that, that way about them day one, that they think like a proprietor. Mm. There's a risk associated with that though. Um, when you're not here and you're in, in, in America, and we'll talk about your building the business in America in a moment, but you're in America, you're effectively handed the responsibility over to the CEO and your group leadership team here to run it the way you want to run it. Mm. And the risk is if they think like proprietors, they might go do proprietorial decision-making um, that could go the wrong direction. How do you manage that risk? It's it's um, it's it's a challenging one, and to be honest, the first two years of me being in the US, I I mean, I'm, I'm the type of leader that wants my people to experiment. I want them to find their own brand. I want them to experience the thrills of decision making and and making mistakes and having to you know navigate through that. So in the same way, I don't helicopter parent my children. You know, I'm not sort of standing over my team saying you should do it this way, you should do it that way. So really for the first two years of my being out of the Australian business, I perhaps gave too long a rope. And again, it's something that Olivia and I speak very publicly about. And we have now, after almost three years, have worked out how how involved I have to be and what the rhythm is, what the meeting rhythm is. Um what I'm willing to sacrifice and what I'm not willing to sacrifice. And we've learned some really, really hard lessons along the way. You know, we've, we've run into cash flow issues. Um, you know, I mean, the one thing that you can't fix is a reputation and you can't fix if someone makes a mistake on values. So all of those things with the leadership team that I have in the Australian business are a given. They would never do anything to impact our reputation or our ethics or our values. It's just the the business decision making and, uh, yeah, the mistakes along the way that we can fix and work together on. But it's 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 not an easy thing. It's Okay, we, so you're an absolute – but – Absent, absent founder. <laughs> I was going to say absent, absentee landlord. Like, yeah, uh, sure, yeah. You know, it, and I often sort of say it's, it's one of the most difficult things to be as an absentee landlord. Um, and that doesn't mean you're absent from the business. It just means you're out doing something else in another yeah. physical environment. Yeah. Um, so you set rules. Yep, we set rules, we set boundaries, we set a meeting rhythm. We work with an executive coach, so we have a conversation with the three of us um, monthly, which is a really great way for us to bring our challenges to, you know, a third party and, and talk through them together. Um, we're obsessed with the... Um, you know, strengths-based methodology. So we're always talking about if someone's not doing something well or if we've made a uh, wrong call, why is that? And it always comes back to someone not working on what they're meant to be working on or not doing what they do best. So we're really, we've got um, a rhythm and a really great sort of grounding for how we make decisions. And you know what? We have the tough conversations. We're, we're absolutely prepared to go there. We're prepared to look at the numbers. We're prepared to look at the mistakes. We're prepared to look at where we went wrong. There's definitely a vulnerability about the management style that we have. We're the first people to put our hands up and say, I made a mistake there. And I think people feel that as a culture. And it's worked really well for me being out of the business to be able to just look in and say, okay, I can pinpoint where we went wrong and what are we going to do differently next time? I, I would like to ask you a question um, because there's an answer I don't really haven't really sort of landed on you at this stage, but someone like yourself, you're a mum. How many kids you have? Five. Five kids. That's that's awesome. Um, <laughs> are you married? Yeah, I'm married. Or, or yeah. a partner, whatever. Barely. Uh, no, he's great. He's no, great. He, no, he's awesome. His name's Barely? He, no, he's awesome. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, married to Barely. <laughs> does he live in LA? He does. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So your family all live in LA. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, 
it's probably particularly relevant for someone like you, this question. Um, I often talk about using obsession or the emotion of obsession mm. and the emotion of paranoia as two really important plays, uh, two important factors in your playbook when it comes to building and or running a business. So you've got to be obsessed, mm. nothing wrong with it, and you've got to be have a, a level of paranoia, um, which means you're always challenging things to see if you're making a mistake, etc. But on the flip side of it, um, I also quite aware that um, you have to be, you know, we keep getting told about this, you have to be mindful about yourself, um, you know, and you have to have a certain level of self, you know, self-awareness and self-management and and not obsess so much that it affects you. Now, more, it's probably particularly important for you because you're responsible for at least, partly responsible for at least five other people, mm-hmm. young children, your own children. Um, outside of your business I'm talking about. How do you get the balance? I'm not someone who understands how to do it. I'm, Neither I'm, am I. I. I'm struggling <laughs> with it. <clears throat> but I do know you need to balance it up. I have a philosophical view on it, which I'll share with you in a moment. But mm. I just wonder how does this come up in business chicks? Do Does your network ever say, you know, how do I balance these things up, Emma? You're, mm. you're being successful with your family um, but at the same time, you're successful with your business. Where do you get the energy from to do both? Mm. How do you balance these things up? What do you do? I think there's two parts to that question. It's a great question. I think the first one, the themes of what you spoke about is the mindset or the archetype of an entrepreneur. And there's not many people who truly have that archetype of being completely obsessed, thinking about their business 24-7 doesn't mean it doesn't matter if you're awake or asleep, you're still dreaming about it, you're still thinking about it, you're driving, you're getting your coffee, you're, you're, you're paranoid about whether the team's doing the right thing, whether you're being represented in the right way. There's not... There's very, very, very few people who absolutely understand what that's like. So that's one part to your question. The other part on balance um, we'll get to. Um, I think from a personal perspective, I met my husband through an entrepreneurial network. So we were both, we both are entrepreneurs. So, and when we first got together, we used to, you know, be in bed on our laptops at 11 o'clock at night, Skyping each other, should we go to bed? You know, I mean, he was obsessed about business as I was. So we already understood each other. You know, I dated guys prior who had sort of said like, why, why do you work so hard? Like, let's, let's go and have fun. And I was like, this is fun. This is, this is my fun. This is my So you quickly of- put the pencil through them. <laughs> yeah, out, scratch them off. Um, so he understands my obsession with business. And whilst that's not always easy to live with, um, we we do we do understand each other, and I think you know Cheryl Sandberg wrote, wrote about in her book Lean In. You've got to choose your partner wisely, someone who's going to understand whatever your your bits are. Um, the balance thing. So so the way that I've been able to kind of navigate going from being an entrepreneur from the age of eighteen. Uh, you know, I had my first child when I was twenty nine, and it wasn't as rude a shock to me as perhaps a lot of people find when they have a baby because I'd been used to working. 18 hour days. I've been used to having precious little sleep. I've been used to, you know, devoting myself to a cause. And so when the baby, the first baby came along, I I felt like I had a set of tools that I'd used in business to be able to throw across to parenting. And again, that all sounds very philosophical and easy. And when you translate that into a practical sense, it is, it is very, very hard. On the subject of balance, um, I like to talk about the four burners theory. Have you heard about that, Mark? Okay. So you, it has you imagine your life as um, a cooktop stove, okay? And you've got four burners there. One is your work, one is your family, one is your health, and one 
um, represents your friends. And it's said that if you want to be successful, you have to turn off one of those burners altogether. Just turn them off. So pick one, whichever one you want. If you want to be uber successful, if you really want to reach the top of your field or the top of your game, you've got to turn off two. And so what that's meant for me is I used to be, I used to work out with a personal trainer five mornings a week. I used to run. I used to take the aerobics classes, take the yoga classes. I just can't do that right now. You know, for me, my focus is on my business and on my family. And it means that a lot of the friendships that I've had are still there, but I can't, I, I don't go out for... Um, dinners on a Saturday night with them all the time. I don't go out for breakfasts, um, you know, during the week because I'm in my business or on the weekends I'm with my family. And so I, I that's been my version of balance, just focusing on just those two burners, if you like, and trying to do both of those well. And I think people have got to appreciate that it's just a moment in time. You know, my kids are still very young. My oldest is nine, the nine, seven, five, three and 11 months. So they're still, they still need me. It's a very hands-on parent. I mean, Kids always knew their parents, of course, but it's a very hands-on time in my life. And that's my that's my answer. I'm just in my business and with my family and maybe I'm a really shit friend. <laughs> no, no, but no, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because, I mean, I often get asked, you know, if I do talks in the other day, you know, right at the end of the Q&A, people always ask me, you know, life balance questions and mm. I don't answer it in that sort of um, eloquent way like you just did about four burners, but I basically say you make a choice of what you're going to do um, and you choose the things that you can do as opposed to trying to do everything. That's just my view on it. Mm. And I, but I think yours is far more eloquent. Um, you can use it if you like. Thank you. Four burners, <laughs> I remember that. But, but, but like, I, and I think the, uh, let's call it justification for being obsessed without someone accusing you of being obsessed when you're in business or, or the justification for being paranoid, having some paranoia without someone accusing you of being paranoid. The way I do it in a philosophical sense, I say, look, they're all emotions. And if you step back and just say, they're emotions that I can call on mm. to keep my business as successful and sustainable because I have a whole lot of people I'm responsible for who need that to happen for a whole lot of reasons, not just to make money, but just that's their purpose in life. A lot mm. of these people who work for you, a lot of these people who come to your, your functions, mm. that's part of it's their purpose in life. Um, and that's really important because people need not only their money, but they need to have a purpose in life. That's yeah. sort of a fundamental uh, part of the fundamental fabric of how we exist and survive and how we can justify why we're here, either that or religion. Um, and religion is not too different no, sure. to the purpose, which is sort of why I said earlier, yours is a little yeah. bit like a religion yeah. um, in a, in its fervor I'm talking about as opposed to in its, in its philosophical sense. But mm. So I, I take the view, and I haven't perfected this yet, but if you're in business and you want to be successful – you need, and this works for me, I just look at all those emotions and say, yeah, when I need to be obsessed, I'm going to drag on the obsession. Mm. When I need to have be some paranoia, I'm going to drag on that. And when I need to have some balance, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, I need to think of myself because uh, I'm getting run down and I've got a flu like I've got at the moment or cold, um, I will not do anything. I won't go to work. I'll turn up in casual clothes and um, if I can get an hour in the sun somewhere just to try and get rid of it, I'll do that too. Mm. And it's plug and play. Yeah. And it's, and so the balance, if you keep trying to achieve balance, you've got a mm. problem. You, you will run into a problem because mm. you're right. You can't turn all four burners on at once because you're mm. going to use the gas up too fast. Mm. So what you've got to do is say, no, no, it's not about balance. It's about recognizing these things that are outside of me 
and I just plug and play when I need to, when I need them. And that works for me yeah. in a philosophical sense. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean I always get it right because I fuck it up sometimes <laughs> real bad. And, uh, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> and I do try and burn all the burners at once sometimes. <laughs> and uh, we've probably got a cold at the moment. But yeah. um, it doesn't matter as long as you have a philosophical approach to these things. So that's something I use. Um, you're most welcome to use that. It's not as eloquent as the way you put <laughs> it. Bit. Steal it. Yeah, but, but it's a good one and it, cause, because people – they come to your functions, and I've spoken to your functions. You know, you, you get thousands of people these things, and they actually don't know the answer to this. And they look yeah. up to someone like you. Yeah. Could you please tell me how you do this? Because they, people get in business or who are aspiring to be in business, get so caught up in their business that they don't have the ability to take a step back and have a look at mm. themselves and what they're doing. They're mm. down wrestling in the mud. They're working out the bass statements. They're trying to get the business open. They want to pay the wages on Friday. They, they're like you. They've got four or five kids with a kid to look after. They've got a husband mm. saying, we're supposed to be going to dinner with the friends. And they live in a fog. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. Um, and so Business Chicks as a platform, I think, is really a community service in some respects. Mm. I know it's a business, but yeah. it does provide a great community service because people are looking for answers. And mm. blokes will say, oh, you know, <laughs> but women are smarter than us and uh, they're and they're much more communicative and are quite happy to ask a question. Mm. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we seek out answers and I think what we do as a platform is try and present a whole bunch of role models, whether it be you, whether it be the Ariana Huffingtons and Dr. Brene Browns, all these people we've been blessed to work with over the years. And my philosophy on this is I can present all these people and I can present your theories and Ariana's theory and whoever else's. And it's up to us to find the intelligence to work out what's best for us. Pick and choose, yeah. Pick and choose. And there's not this one thing that just because Emma Isaacs does it that way, I've got to do it that way. You know, I, I am, I have the paranoia, I have the obsession, not everyone has that. But it's about just, you know, how can I work out what works for me? And, you know, that's really the, the discovery that we, the journey that we try and take people on with what we do at Business Chicks for sure. I want to go to the break, and uh, when I come back from the break, I want to talk to you about potential things that where you have, you think you might have failed, but you've got back up and pivoted, because none of us are perfect, including me. <laughs> and I'm expecting you will have the same discussion with our listeners. But the most important thing is about how you lean on your own resilience and how you pivot your business and make it work. We we'll go to the break. Well, I'm back with Emma Isaacs from Business Chicks, and uh, right in front of me here, and I, I've got a, I'm going to pluck your wing here, because it's called <laughs> Winging It, the book, and um, and it's a beautiful looking book, and I, I guess it's your story, you know, but I have read little bits of it, and I noticed that I get a mention in there, so do I get some of the royalties <laughs> yeah. out of this? How does it all work? <laughs> you can clip the ticket. Yeah. Nah, Tell yeah. me the story, I know that, but because I'm, I really apologize for... Um, your uh, disappointment when you talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so, look, very, very early on, I became really interested in investing in property. I bought my first property when I was 19. And it was a really hard thing for me to get financing when I was 19 years old. And, and rightly so. I think I was paying myself and my business $30,000. You know, I, I had zero assets. So I probably wasn't a good um, 
credit risk. Uh, but I went around to eight lenders and got no's from all of those eight lenders. A wizard at the time was one of those oh, no's. Gee, I know. So sorry. I know. And do you know how many properties I own these days? <laughs> well, we uh, lost you as a potential client. Well, can I tell you that we'd love to refinance yeah, all your all your loans now? Yeah, of course you would. Yeah, like, of course you would. Uh, and, and what did it spur you on to do? Because does rejection, how does rejection or denial work for you? Yeah, it's great. What it's do you do great. with it? It's great. I wallow in it for about 30 seconds and then I get fired up and I put on that attitude, um, you know, I'm going to show you and I just, I just don't take no for an answer. I think having that resilience and that ability to just keep going no matter what. And I, I think people give up too easily these days. You know, we get a no and we think, okay, that's great. I got a no and I'm just going to give up on that. But I just keep trying. I just, I, I can't see. Because you don't expect a no. See, a lot of other people do expect it. Unfortunately, there are people that are just expecting a rejection. Yeah, really, Because right. they're, they're used to it. I mean, that's sort of drilled into their DNA. Yeah. You must be one of those people. It's funny you should say that about, um, it, it, it's, I was just thinking when you were talking then, um, NAB has launched this business called Quick Biz, and um, and I was talking to the guys from Quick Biz the other day, and I said to them, you know, when some of, it's it's for business loans, and I said, when's uh, unsecured business loans, and I said, maybe the way you should uh, curate or... your business, mm. your brand, is that if someone comes in who's got a business wants to borrow fifty thousand dollars unsecured, instead of saying to them, look, look, you're you're denied, you you didn't get the deal because you you don't qualify, maybe you should say. Look, we can't give you the money at the moment, but what we want to do is set you up so that you are ready to borrow money down the track. And we think you'll be able to borrow money in 12 months if you do the following things. In other words, equip them to – not everyone's got the strength that you've got to be able to say, well, stuff you, I'm going to go and prove mm-hmm. to you that I can do this. A lot of people just fall into the rejection hole and they stay there. They never get out. Mm. If you make people ready to borrow – in other words, commit to them. I will help you mm. get ready to borrow. It's just a, it's just a template. Yeah, tick the but boxes. But it'd be a great change yeah. into how banks are seen. Yeah, I love that. And Quick Business is not really a bank name. It's even though it's owned by NAB, they can mm. sort of build a brand around yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Re- uh, borrow, borrow uh, debt ready. Yeah, yeah, sure. Get debt ready. Yeah, in the same way you need to have your business be exit ready, and there's a process that goes into that. And yeah, I like that. That's great. And like this, I mean, I think the whole ready thing around business is like uh, even just being business ready. What I mean, but there's being ready to do business tomorrow. Mm, sure. Like yeah. how often do you wake up on how, – how, like, I don't know about you. I, my night is Sunday night. Sunday night for me is the worst night of the week because <laughs> I can sleep like a baby on Friday night. I'm yeah. not a great sleeper during the week, but Friday night I usually have a good sleep because Saturday I wake up. I know I don't have to go and do anything. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I do, do work, but I don't have to see anyone. Nothing happens. Yeah. Saturday night is – Pretty good. Yeah. Sunday night is my worst because Sunday night going into the uh, Sunday evening, I'm starting to think about what's going to happen Monday, Tuesday. What, I know what my diary says. I know I've got some difficult meetings saying on a blah, blah day. And I get myself into a state so that I'm not business ready. And I actually think like some of these meditation apps that are around at the moment, mm. I think it'd be some great. How do you get yourself ready for business or do you just suffer like everybody else does, mm. like in the middle of the night? Um, worry, is there a night of the week where you um, get overwhelmed by your thought processes about what you've got to do? I think it's it's almost every night. Um, I'm not a good sleeper either. I 
I mean, I have the 150 children, so that doesn't help. But um, but no, I, I'm like you. I mean, I'm always thinking about business. I, I, I do the meditation apps. I every now and then take melatonin to try and just give my body a rest. I do all that sort of stuff. But um, I don't think it ever leaves you. I don't know that it can ever leave you. Um, you know, this obsession that you talk about. But yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with your pattern. Friday nights are great for me. Saturday nights are really good. And Sunday I'm already you know, stepped into gear of what's what's coming up the next day and what do I have to what do I have to tackle for that week. So Is that fear of failure? Ah, uh, my fear am I scared of failure? Um I think I'm more scared of failure than I am of success because you can be one of one of or the other, right? You can be actually there are people out there who are scared of succeeding, whatever you know, however that manifests. But yeah, I, I am I am scared of failing. Um I've have always you ever failed? Yeah, a ton of times. Let's go there. Ton of times. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, right? because I mean, it's, it's it's sort of the elephant in the room to some extent. Yeah, no, for sure. I I'm fresh off the back of my biggest um, career and business failure in terms of take, trying to take business chicks to the states and launch it there. We decided in 2015. You know, I was cruising. I was doing really well, well here in the business. Um, you and know, business chicks here still is doing. Really yeah, well, it is. Yeah. It's still in growth. We've been profitable every single year. Um, we run a great, great business. We run a tight ship, and it's a fantastic company. But as a founder and as a leader, I felt that I had plateaued a little bit and I was just going through the motions. And that for me is not the speed I like to work at. You know, I'm not a manager. I'm not a manager of people and problems. I'm, you know, I'm the one who wants to come up with the ideas and drive the growth and and create and innovate. And I kind of felt I was just cruising a little bit. So I... uh, how did it all come about? We, we had speakers come out from the US, people like Diane von Furstenberg, Richard to an extent. Um, Seth Godin, the amazing marketer, came out and he said, listen, there's really nothing like this in the US. There's a billion women's organisations, don't get me wrong, but there's n- no one who's created a brand around this category. There's no one who has the, the touch points and the level of engagement and love that this brand has. You should really try and come to the States. So I you know, um, very naively thought, okay, let's, let's give that a try. We started going across and doing launch events over there. And, and like Australia, we were able to get huge crowds of women. You know, we had seven, 800 women in ballrooms in New York and LA and San Francisco. And it was exactly the same as it is here, just like with American accents and <laughs> a lot more clapping. What's called business chicks? Yeah. Yeah. We went with the same name. And is chicks a name over there? Like, no, it's a, it's, we've, we faced some huge, huge challenges on, on the name. So we did the, all these launch events. They were great. Made, lost a ton of money, of course, because it's a lot more expensive to do business in the US. The startup costs, even just the advisory costs um, to set up the business there and um, to get everything set up. It was a huge investment. And But the, the launch events were fantastic. It showed us that there was a huge appetite for what we did, for the work with, that we were able to do. And so my husband and I decided to move to LA almost three years ago, packed up the family, moved across, bought a house straight away, uh, couldn't get a mortgage. This is a theme of my life. (laughs) Where are you when I need you, Mark? Um, America's a lot difficult to borrow money. It really is. So the whole credit system over there, doesn't matter if you, we we moved a ton of money in American bank accounts. We have a good asset base here. None of that matters because you're starting from an absolute um, base of zero. And so we had no credit, so we had to get a hard money loan for our mortgage there. Um, which was about ten percent, so that that hurt. We the property tax system is different, so we had to pay thirty seven thousand dollars in property tax, which came out of nowhere. 
many stories like this. Um, but we gave it a go and um, I started hiring teams in New York and LA. And the way that we um, funded that business was through our Australian company. So I didn't raise any money. And after about two years of trying to get it off the ground there, and we, we did about probably 30 or 40 different events and, and got some small sponsors in the mix, but I just could see it was going to take a lot more doing and a lot more cash. And I had to face a decision of continuing to bleed the Australian business dry of their, you know, very healthy business, or I could just put it on ice for a little bit and just take stock. Or um, reinvent it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So like just in other words, because a lot, a lot of people do what you do, I've done it. Yeah. I did it in India. Um, and what I found is that I had to actually bring investors into the Indian business and keep put a ring around that, a fence around mm. that, so that I didn't either infect and or drain the Australian business. Yeah. It was what didn't make sense for me to take the success of one and bleed it into the potential failure of another yeah. in terms of capital, sucking up capital. Yeah. How did you feel about this uh, phenomenon that wasn't working? I mean, what did it do to you personally, emotionally? It was terrible. It was really terrible. I went through a ton of stress. It was very stressful to wake up every single day knowing the wages that I was paying, knowing the costs that we had, knowing, um, you know, just what the stakes were. And so personally it was very stressful. It was it made me question everything. It made me feel as though what I had done the first two times around with my first two companies was luck. A fluke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was I've luck. been through that. Yeah. So these whole notions of self doubt and <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, then you went and had a baby because I just did a calculation. <laughs> yeah, I did. Twenty months ago, you had a baby. Oh, you twenty months ago, you fell pregnant. Yeah, right. Good math. Yeah, yeah. So she's um, eleven months now, and. Yeah, and I mean, that that's a joke. I, I didn't know what to do, so I just did what I do best and I had another baby, <laughs> which is not really the solution at all, <laughs> to be honest. Number look, five look, for that matter. Yeah, w- what I had to do was make a really tough call. I had to draw a line in the sand and say enough's enough. I, I you know, it was a very strong decision to make at the time. Um, the story ends really well because, you know, while um, I was trying to, to get the business off the ground there, I met some, some of the most extraordinary people and incredible entrepreneurs who counseled me through the situation. Um, so that was fantastic. And I met a wonderful woman who had spoken for us in San Francisco and she um, has actually come on board as an investor for a new business I'm going to start in America when I go back there in September. So, you know, I believe there's always a pivot. There's always some sort of silver lining to come out of failures. And I, I don't think it's an absolute kind of full stop. I think there's definitely there's definitely a need for what we do um, in America and in other markets. I just feel like I didn't know the environment well enough. I didn't, I underestimated what it would take. I underestimated the funds we would need. I underestimated the stress and really unique challenges of being back in a startup. You know, I hadn't been in a startup for, um, you know, really 13 years. And to add five, I had four children, then to add four children to that mix, you know, I wasn't 25 and bulletproof and could work 18-hour days. I was like, hang on a minute, this is balance at its best. Like, how am I actually going to do this? And then you throw in the challenges of personally relocating a family, putting kids in new schools, um, Driving on the wrong side of the road, you know, and working out where to get your groceries from, all those challenges that you would find if you just went up and moved to London or wherever. Um, it was all just a bit too much at once. So, we, you know, we're taking a breather from it at the moment. Um, You're still living in LA. Yeah. And I, we, look, we love it. Personally, we love being in America. The velocity of which business moves there, 
the way that I've seen companies be born and scaled in a matter of minutes, the whole mindset shift that you and I would have to make, all of us have to make in terms of, you know, the way I've built my businesses is to focus on profit. You know, it's it's great to have a huge revenue, a huge turnover, but it's really about the net profit for me is obviously the most important indicator. But throughout my companies, I've tried to build them and extract value by, I mean, my, my vehicle has always been property. I've, I've been able to extract value um, buy properties as I go. I've had managed funds and played in the share market, but really have that business be able to fund my personal wealth and, and growth. But in America, it's not like that. They don't care. They use other people's money. It's growth at all costs. It's how do I get to the you know, $100 million mark as fast as possible, screwing everyone along the way. Don't worry about profit. It's all just about how and we don't can... worry about failure either. Absolutely not. I mean, failure is a given in America. It's actually, you, we find a lot of Silicon Valley VCs or PEs won't actually back you unless you failed once. Mm. You know, they, they want that story. They want to know how you handled yourself through that failure, what you learned from it. So, But it's not in the Australian vernacular here to fail is, oh, wow, you're a bit of a loser. Something wrong because yeah. I've been through that Couldn't process. Because the second question Kerry Packer ever asked me before Invest in Wizard, he said, have you ever failed? Mm. Um, that was part of his due diligence. He had three questions for me. And he said, have you ever failed, son? And I said, <clears throat> not really. And because I just thought, like you just said, the, the, I didn't want to demonstrate. I, I, I A weakness. You know, I thought if I had failed, that means I'm a failure. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. he doesn't want to invest. And um, and he was a, like a, a full-on counterintuitive thinker even in those days. And this is back in 1999. And <clears throat> all he wanted to do, and you just touched on it, he wanted to find out whether I had experienced how I would react to those sort of things. Mm. You know, he's about to lay money on the table. If the assumptions are all wrong in the presentation I made to him as to why he should invest in the business, he wanted to make sure that when the assumptions change, which inevitably they do, yeah. um, that I wasn't going to either walk away or collapse or fall apart and his money's just been dusted. Yeah. And that he'd have to sit, sort of start running the business. And a lot of investors want to know that. They yeah. want to know that you're someone who's a stayer. Yeah. And do you have the strength of character to hang in there? And uh, irrespective of how good the pitch is, and Americans are like that. They get that, and which is one of the great um, reasons why you do business in America. Mm. For my audience or for our audience today, um, our audience is – I'm always talking to our audience about establishing the demand. So clearly there is a demand for what Business Chicks does in America. There's a demand in America for that, and that's you know, probably defined – as community and help and et cetera, networking and all the stuff that Business Chicks, mm-hmm. Chicks does, um, there's a market for it. What I say to most listeners is that that doesn't always mean you execute it the same way that you've executed it before. So you had an execution issue. I mean, your exactly. execution was different to what had to be executed in America differently to the way it gets executed in Australia, mm-hmm. which means you're not a failure. You're actually, you've established that there is demand and I have a solution. That's a success. Mm. What you have to work out is how to execute. What I really like about this is you've found yourself an investor because that's accessing all the resources of your environment. And the resource of your environment in America is there are people there who will oh, put yeah. money in things. Yeah, absolutely. Not like here. You're trying to find an investor here, it's like nearly impossible. The first thing they want to question is when are you going to make a profit? Mm. That's the first question. Yeah. When, yeah. Will I get, when will you start being able to money pay back. me back? Yeah, exactly. Give me a return on yeah. my million yeah. dollar investment, whatever yeah. it is. Over yeah. there, it's more about like how do we scale this up? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know why America's full of scale. It's got three hundred and fifty million people. Yeah. So that's their asset. Yeah. Scale like in India, it's got a billion people. How do we scale? Yeah. How do we get to everyone? I want one cent from everyone. Yeah. In Australia, I want one dollar from everyone because we only got we hit twenty five million people last time, which <laughs> yeah. is great. Um, at eleven pm or something happened. Um, <clears throat> so it takes. I'm I'm curious as to how you felt within yourself once you discovered that you had 
done what you had always done, just got in at a crack and good idea and did what you did like you did in Australia and you walked yeah. into that great big territory called US of A. How did you feel about yourself? Did you sort of uh, give yourself a, you know, hit over the back with a, you know, like a, a cat of nine tails or something yeah, like that? I mean, yeah, did you punish did. yourself or what did you do? Yeah, there was a big grieving process that, you know, it wasn't as if I just woke up one day and said this has to end. You know, people sort of brought me to this, the decision kicking and screaming a little bit. And I thank the people around me for that. So that's really the managers in my Australian business who were watching this all unfold. And that in itself was a challenge because they couldn't see what I could see. You know, they weren't going to an event, um, you know, down in West Hollywood where all these amazing women had come together and they were all saying, we've never seen anything like this before. When's the next event? And, and you know, I'm going to bring my friends along. We're going to join. And what do you need? And the whole thing. And so, so I was seeing the face of that and all they were seeing was the amount of money going out the door. So, you know, whilst it was very difficult, I, I thank them for holding a mirror up and, and guiding me through that to say, they were actually protecting me the whole time to say it's all well and good, Em, you can see possibility, but the reality of this is that we're going to go broke in seven months if you don't do something about it. So I didn't wake up one morning and say this has to end. It really was a couple of months of, oh, okay, what am I going to do if if I close the business? Um, and look, to be, to be really frank, thank goodness I did fall pregnant. Thank goodness I got a publishing deal because I had some excuses of where to put my time um, while I was grieving from that big failure. And, it, you know, it, it probably took me a good three or four months to pick myself up again. Um, you know, it was a very lonely time um, and it was a time of, God, we're getting deep here, but, you know, self-reflection mm. and... Uh, in those three months, I couldn't have spoken about failure like I am today. It was it, it hurt and it sucked and I hated every minute of it. It wasn't an enjoyable time at all. Um, but now I, I'm really proud of it and I really am trying to own it. I'm trying to tell the story to anyone who'll listen. I'm grateful because that experience wouldn't have given me the chance to pitch to those investors I've now got on board. And they love that they actually walked the journey with me of the Business Chicks USA thing. So they saw how I handled myself through it. And um, you know, to your words, they, they liked that I, ha- I now have that experience that I have failed. Well, they also like the fact that you've got the fortitude and the strength of character to get back up off, up off the mat Absolutely. and go again. Yeah. But go again in a different way, not the same way. Yeah. But that's stupid. You just don't get up and start throwing punches. You've got to get up and go <laughs> totally. a, a slightly different way because <clears throat> you might just get knocked down again. But but, I mean, but that, that strength of character is the thing they invest in. Yeah, 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 for sure. They don't really know whether your business model is going to work. No, they don't. No, no, no. And they sat across from me and they said, we want you, Em. That's, yeah, yeah. that, like, that's what we want you. We are investing in you. Correct. And we're investing in the experiences you bring to the table. We're exp- Therefore, we need to know more about you and yeah. we need to know about your character. Yeah. And I think that people who have – business opportunities, um, entrepreneurs in Australia or, or Australians going overseas need to know that that's the investor market. They're mm. the market that back you, especially in the startups, early early stage investors. They're investing in you and the individual. Mm. And they want to know that you know what it's like to fail. They want to know that you have the ability then to learn from what you did wrong and then to pivot. Mm. Uh, it's a terrible word, but no, basically true. spin on on the same spot and go a different direction. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But it's still you. Yeah. And would and this book, winging it. Um, by the way, I got this one for free. But how much are you going to charge everybody? <laughs> how much is it? I think you just stole the book, everyone. No, nah, it's yours. Uh, they're selling it for thirty four ninety nine. Where do I buy it? You can if get I was, it from... If I was to buy this for Christmas presents for you know 
Here's How many models. can I sell you? Uh, <laughs> I, love I brought my F plus machine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was talking to Socrates. You know, yeah. you know so- Socrates is famous for someone asking a question, he throw a question back at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a Craig method. But, but but where do you where do you get this? Is uh, online, it's for sale everywhere. Yeah, all good bookshops. Booktopia sells it online. Um, it's going great guns. It's number three in nonfiction at the moment, um, and we're really proud of it. Yeah. Very good. And does this tell the story? Does the book tell the story of? Failure. Yeah, that's in there. We've got bits on failure. There's um, how to manage your money, both personally and in business. There's stuff on culture and leadership and HR. Um, bit of storytelling, obviously drawing from the stories of people I've met and spent time with over the years as well. You included, Mark. Um, but yeah, I really hope it's a well-rounded resource for anyone who's trying to get ahead, not only in their business, but in their career as well, because there's a ton of stuff on personal leadership and who you need to be to get ahead. And, and look, I've done this myself and I've written a couple of books and Generally speaking, when I'm launching a new business, I write a book and it, it sort of does go to some extent with rebranding or branding. Mm. Um, when, I mean, how, how would you say to somebody who's trying to launch a brand, who's got a great story to tell, would you say that to them, I know it sounds formulaic, but would yeah. you say to them it's a good idea to sit down and write a book? Because it's quite cleansing to sit down and write yeah, a book. Yeah, it's cathartic. Yeah. yeah you, 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 you say, hang on, I've written it down now. It's, it's out it's there. It's out. Yeah, it's out of me. Yeah, look, I mean, it's interesting, the whole publishing world now, and you would have found this as well. People, publishers want people, you know, and we joke about this all the time, you know, back in the day, to be a good entrepreneur, all you had to do was, you know, run a business that made money. But these days, you have to be a speaker, you have to be an author, you know, you have to be your own PR person. It's a, re- it's a really tough tough gig to be an entrepreneur these days. Um, and publishers are looking for people who have a platform to which to tell their story to. But if you're not doing it to make money, I mean, everyone knows you don't make money from writing a book. Um, but I suppose it comes back to anything. It's like, why are you doing it? You know, if if you're starting a business and you're trying to procure new clients and a book would be a great place to, to you know, a gift to deliver to someone, then, then go for it, you know. But I think people don't understand why they're doing something first. So um, it's part of the layer, brand layering too. It is, yeah. yeah. Brand and layers, brands are about layers, lots and lots and lots of layers and lots and, and doing it lots and lots of times. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, the, the just the front cover, I can see just the layer and also the use of, you know, not, again, it sounds formulaic, but the use of pink headlines and stuff like this in the book. Yeah. It may, it is, it is part of your brand layering at every level. And, but also, as you said, it's quite cathartic in the process of writing it. Mm. Have they? I, I got recently asked to write uh, to do um, do it by Audible to do a, my last book in an in an audio. Yeah. Have you? Have you? Yeah, have you, I did it. Have, have you done it? <laughs> they I told was just me. Curious, like, what's it like? Because, <gasps> oh, it's hardcore. You would you would struggle, I'm sure. Oh because my God, I've agreed they, to do it. They told me well, how long did they say it would take? To Thirty do? hours. Okay, they told me it would take four days. I'm like. If that, it's going to take me two, and I did it in one and a half days. But you just sat down there. They lock you in this studio, and yep. you and they put it on an iPad, and you just got to scroll through. And I mean, it's pretty amazing. The production's pretty incredible, but it takes all your focus and concentration to um, you yeah, know, do, do, sit do you and read your like words. Add, do, do, are you sort of putting some um, yeah emphasis in parts? I mean, <laughs> I think oh I start, yeah, you're, you're I know, yeah, the international. I, I think I started off being really boring, and then I found my found my um, rhythm. Um, no, you'll be fine. You'll Acid. You went in character. Yeah, you went in character. You went in MRI. But it is weird speaking in, in the first person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then totally. I, and the, yeah, it's and weird. He's like, shit, did I write that? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't I know. make sense. Yeah. Well, there's a typo here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. That's, but you've, you've done the audible one. So yeah, yeah, did so it it's on audio books. Okay, yeah, cool. it is too. That's, that's cool. So tell me then, what 
is the pivot. So do you mind? No, Will yeah, you explain yeah. to me I'd love what, to. what you're going to do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I have had a lot of experience with peer-to-peer mentoring. So joining groups, there's a number of amazing groups um, in Australia. And I love the experience of being placed in a group of seven or eight people where you can go every month and share your business expertise and failures and Um, It was phenomenal for my growth very early on as an entrepreneur. Um, But also what I found with a lot of these groups was going into a situation where, look, it's still to these days, it's probably six guys and two two women um, and really nothing much has changed there. And I also found... Uh, being a mum, you know, I'd come into these meetings and be like, you know, my eyes are falling out of my head. I'm really tired. And, you know, again, I, I know we're 2018, but still the guys sort of there, they, they don't want to talk about that. They still want to talk about business. And I want to talk about business as well. But the challenges I face as a working mother are often unique. And that's not for everyone. I know the number of um, men who um, take the lion's share of the parenting. But for me, it was always a little bit of a disconnect. So when I moved to America and I tried to look for a support network, work like that. They were all seven guys, one girl. And I thought this got to change. So I worked with a consultant out of Washington to come up with a peer-to-peer mentoring uh, mastermind group um, for females only. It's called Power Players. Uh, we launched it in Australia two years ago and we um, have uh, over 100 members now in these groups and it's facilitated. So we have a leadership expert come into these groups every single month and run this session. Um, it, there's a ton of IP. I've spent a ton of money getting the IP together um, and it's going beautifully in Australia. So I needed money to be able to launch that into the States. So yeah, when I go back in September, we'll launch Power Players USA. And it's a great business model because it's a annuity revenue stream um, and it's community so the, building. The, the, the members pay you monthly. Yeah, pay monthly. Yeah. So, you know, I love this. So <clears throat> I really do love this. I mean, I'm sort of doing something sort of similar, but not 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 as specific as you. But I, last night I spoke at a conference. I, I just did this thing last night in Wollongong. And, I, and they asked me to talk about, um, it was to a, a chamber of commerce or a, it was the Illawarra chamber down there. And I spoke about the importance of mentorship just generally for mm. economies mm. and that there should be a movement of mentorship. Mm. And to me, mentorship is like exactly what you just said. It's like like big companies have boards mm. and, you know, you, you go back to your board and every month they sit there and ask you questions and they make you accountable. Mm. And, and And you... You, they tend to understand your personal life a little bit. They sort of say, look, you know, something's happened or you had a kid or just got married or you moved home or, you know, they, they understand the personal story, the backstory behind it all. And I think that's incredibly powerful for organisations who can afford to have a board of directors. I know it's really important to my business. What small business owners or business owners, generally mm-hmm. speaking, is they don't have the board. They're proprietors. They mm-hmm. run it themselves. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is you're building this mentorship program and uh, sure, people pay for it, and but people will pay, willingly pay for it. Mm. And not always do they want to talk about business either. They might want to talk about other things. They want someone to understand, and they want an opportunity to express it themselves. I guess. Mm. So I think that's what are you calling it again? Power players. Power players. I really like the idea of it because I think there's a global movement of mentorship starting to build. Mm. I really do, mm. and it's just just happens because it's happening because the demand is there. But we've all matured. And we have a sort of a, a sort of collaborating without even talking like mm, to each yeah, other, yeah. collaborating about this mentorship program that should be going global. Mm. And I think it is a global movement. And I'm mm. so happy to hear that 
you are doing it, and it doesn't matter whether you're doing it for women or men. It doesn't really matter to me, but yeah. you are doing it, and I, I love the concept of power play, and I presume what you've been able to do is get some investors to back you into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and, and really, really amazing entrepreneurs in America. So I feel very, very proud to be, you know, have their counsel and and for them to be supporting me through it. But it's it's really everything you said there is perfect. It's about putting a structure around it, and it's about providing a space for for these business owners to come every month and to share what they've learned and where they're struggling. And it is the board of advisors that you can't afford in your business, and so we build that system for and you. You do it all at once. So like this, yeah. so how many in a group? Ah, uh, there's up to eight people. Uh, eight people. So, yeah. so eight people. What's great about that too is that they have to be willing to share their stories with oh, everybody else. We expect it. And yep. I was going to say, people mm. like it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, good. I mean, it sounds so. It's like it's the same concept or intellectual concept behind Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, yeah, sure. Being well, any admitting, of those groups, you go and yeah, you talk yeah. or Narcotics Anonymous. Not that I've been to either. <laughs> yeah, Actually, I have for the record. Al- I, I know <laughs> I've been record. to an Alcoholics Anonymous. I did uh, someone I had to take to one. And I, I went with him on a number of them, and yeah, it was quite an interesting experience. Um, because once you talk about something and you find shit, someone else got exactly the same issue. Yeah. That's it, empowering. It is. Yeah, you feel, you're not oh, alone. I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. Because business is the loneliest place in the world. It really is. As a yeah. proprietor especially. Um, yeah. Think shit, nobody cares. No one's experienced the same problems as me. Yeah. We all get out there and say how wonderful our businesses are. <laughs> yeah. But we never go out there and say how many challenges we're exper- experiencing because we worry it's going to affect our business brand yeah. or someone's going to think w- less of us. And it's sort of quite refreshing when you hear about people's say this sort of stuff yeah. and say, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with cash flow or, you know, I can't find an investor or I'm trying to, um, my part, my partnership's broken down because the other, my partner's decided he or she wants to go a different direction. Yeah. I mean, people challenges, like it never ends. How do I employ people? I can't get yeah. the right staff. Um, yeah. I can't seem to get my brand scaled up. I, my training program isn't working. You know, I, the, yeah. and someone else might say, well, you know, I had the same experience Yeah, and this is what I did. Yeah. And I, I reckon that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I love thank it. thank you. It's going really well here, and I hope it just takes off in the US as well. Mentorship is a global movement, just that it's currently packed with a lot of smaller players, mm. and it somehow needs to be brought together into one place and recognised as a movement. Mm. And then, I mean, like, if you really want to, not you, but if we in Australia really want to make our economy powerful and sustainable, the government needs to get on board and sort of say, let's recognize this mentorship because mm. uh, it does improve productivity. Mm. It's no point having a productivity commission made up of people who are, you know, like, I don't know, in the bureaucracy or whatever it is and sort of them are telling us what we've got to do to become more productive as a nation, therefore become more sustainable. Mm. Actually, productivity comes down to the small businesses mm, that run this country. It's engine. And we've got to get to them. We've got to make mm. them more sustainable. Absolutely. And the way you do it is through mentorship. Yeah. That's my view. I 100% agree. It's about how do we, the platforms, how do we help those people create more jobs? How do we help them scale their businesses? That That is the engine that we need to be focused on. And that's what we're It's not transactional. The government, no. I mean, unfortunately, governments are transactional. They have to be. But they yeah. sort of say, oh, well, we'll just the tax rate. Yeah. That, yeah. Won't, that won't automatically create jobs. It won't do anything. Yeah. Um, most of these people don't even make money, so let alone pay exactly. tax. So like yeah. if they pay 25% instead of 28%, it probably doesn't make that much difference to them. They yeah. don't make a profit in the first place. Yeah. And, and if they do, they're probably just going to spend it on a holiday because they just haven't had, because they, <laughs> yeah, to make that, so prop, that, that, that holiday, they're exhausted. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm glad they're doing it. It's a good thing to do. But, yeah. but equally, it's not the fundamental thing that needs to be done. And that, that platform you're laying for power play, that's for women in Australia and for in America, mm-hmm. I think is brilliant. I think it's on a wave of a new movement. 
I think you are part. You will be part of a global move, movement, um, and you're getting in early. I love it. It's so good. Mm. I'm really happy you told me that. Yeah, thanks. and the book launches around the same sort of concept as timing wise in terms of your branding. Yeah, and it's probably re-energized you. It's a reinvention. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah, feel energized. Oh, I'm so energized. I really am. I'm I'm in a really really good place. Um, I'm really excited. I mean, I've had a great time. I've been in Australia for the last six or seven weeks, and it's been phenomenal. But I'm also itching to get back. And you know, I, I love the pace of America. I love the way that everyone's got a side hustle. Everyone's an entrepreneur, and you have to to survive. That to pay your rent, you've just got to figure out how to make money and how to get something going. And I feel like in Australia, we just we're, we're a little bit comfortable with yeah. mediocrity, right? And you know, and if you and I I threw it all in. We could go and get unemployment benefits and go sit on the beach and we'd work out how to still have a very nice life. But in the States, you've just got to hustle. There's you've just, got to make it happen. You've got to make it happen. <laughs> really but, but, I love, but I love that process. Um, it's funny. I, well, I, I've, I set up a business in India many years ago and Indians are the same. Are they? Yeah. yeah. Because they've got no social security. They've got nothing. Yeah, yeah, they sure. have to make it happen. Yeah. And yeah. even if they make a quarter of a cent, they'll do it a million times over. Yeah. So they, they, they're lucky you got the numbers. But that f- uh, freneticism mm. that you get when you get that um, momentum and a, a lot of people getting on board is so energizing. It's yeah. unbelievably brilliant. Um, yeah. Emma, I'm going to have to go because, you know, our listeners, not they're going to get bored with you and I, but <laughs> I know their attention span is about 40 minutes. They're <laughs> sure. driving from somewhere to somewhere. It's about 40, 45 minutes. But I always uh, offer everybody the opportunity to ask me one question. Is there, I mean, I can't imagine you have a question. Oh, my gosh, I, I love Do you have this. one question I've got you want to ask me? many questions. I've been doing all the questions, but what one question would you like to ask me? Okay, so given I run a network of about 45,000 women, are you dating anyone and would you like any introductions? <laughs> <laughs> Good call. The answer is... Um, I don't talk about my personal oh, life on the podcast. We'll talk about it off air. I just offered you this whole entire <laughs> network of amazing women and I got shut down. No, well, it's not a shutdown. But uh, that's an interesting question. But like, <laughs> one of the things I've learned in my personal life is I never talk about my personal life. And the yeah, reason right. for that is um, one of the costs of being mm. building a brand like you. And in the public eye. You're in the public eye. Mm. And as a result of that, I mean, with and with social media today, one of the, the negative mm. effects of social media, there's a few nutters out there. Mm, for sure. And you've, got, and I don't know if you've experienced, but you actually have to be very careful. Yeah. And uh, and all of a sudden, you become quite protective mm. of uh, that very slim mm. part of your life that no one else knows about. Absolutely. There's not much of our Absolutely. lives that no one knows about. Absolutely. And all it gets smaller and smaller and smaller when you're in a building a brand like mm. you're building and like mm. I've built mm. and, and you are you have built. And I just want to say to anyone who's an audience, this is one of the costs. Mm. This is one of the burners you have to turn off in the four mm. burner theory. Mm. You have to be prepared to put your whole life mm. in the public. Mm. So what you also have to be prepared then is to be fiercely protective of those small bits. Mm. That you keep something sacred, absolutely. Just keep one or two things. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's really important. Mm, I think it's great. So thanks advice. for the offer, but yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go there. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. And Rise X, this has been brilliant. I love what you're doing. Your global mentorship, it's going to be a phenomenon. I love business chicks. I love the idea of power play, and this has been fantastic. Thanks for having me, Mark. You appreciate welcome. it.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 